Welcome to the On Becoming Educated podcast, where I, Paula Voon, will share my experience as a first-generation PhD student. Hi, everybody. Um, so, long time no talk. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, let me just say it has been a challenging semester, um, challenging in the amount of readings I've had to do and just in how deep I have to go into some of these readings to understand um, some of these concepts that I'm learning in my classes. So um, it's been it's been quite a semester and and I I've given a lot of my attention to my readings. Um, to school in general, to my research. So I haven't had the opportunity to really record any any new episodes. But I, I have some things that I do want to talk about and I want to share with you. And I want to continue kind of documenting my journey too. And so I hope to release um, a few episodes before the end of the year. It is... Um, College application season, um, so college in terms of um, first-time college goers who are high school students and also um, grad school applications and such. So if you are in the middle of applying to school, applying to college, um, I want to wish you the best of luck. I know that deadlines are probably upon you right now, and it's probably a very stressful time for you. So I encourage you to take moments to focus on breathing and on taking a few deep breaths here and there. Um, I encourage you to go outside and get some sunlight, go for a walk, go for a jog. Um, I've been really into going and doing like a set of stairs. I have these stairs that I do that are very uh, close by where I live. Um, And I just like running up and down these stairs. Um, They make me feel like I'm doing some really tough exercise and so I enjoy like the way that they push my heart rate and I enjoy like how at the end I feel like the I feel the um, the kind of tenseness in my muscles um, so I, I feel like I'm really working my muscles and and my um my chest and it it it, it might it might be the endorphins that it's releasing but it feels really good afterwards so I encourage you to exercise to eat well to take moments to breathe and such so that you can get through this season. It's also a uh, Hmong New Year season. Um, so if you are celebrating Hmong New Year, I just want to wish you a happy new year. And hopefully you are able to go to a new year celebration and um, stay safe out there. Even though we are some, some cities are hosting new year celebrations, it is uh, still kind of a dangerous time because of um, COVID-19. So stay safe out there, but enjoy this time with your family and friends. Enjoy wearing our beautiful um, traditional clothing and um, have fun, have fun and eat a lot of food. <laughs> eat a lot of papaya salad because that stuff is good. <laughs> and now on to today's show. Mm-hmm. 
When I was 17 years old, I got a job as a youth staff at the County Behavioral Health Unit. One day during a staff meeting, we were asked to tell the group something great about ourselves. And I remember specifically saying, if you ask me to get something done, I'll do it. The director made one of those downturned, I see faces and nodded. Then she said, now we know who to ask when we need something done. I remember feeling proud of myself during that activity because I really was proud of being able to do things people ask me to do. But as an adult, I don't know if I would call that a great thing about myself. I've said yes to so many things in my life. Things I wanted to say yes to, things I kind of wanted to say yes to, but knew I shouldn't, and things that I definitely shouldn't have said yes to. Well, Pa, you might be thinking, why did you? Why did you say yes to these things that you didn't want to say yes to? Let me just say that there's a long and deep history that shaped my need to say yes to things from my need to please people in order to be liked, to my desire to be helpful to the old. Well, if I don't do it, then who will? That last one was especially prevalent and true when I was working with students. It was hard to say no to them when I wanted to give so many of them the experience I never had as a student. I am glad to report, though, that as I grew into my 30s, saying no became easier. I knew myself better, especially my values and boundaries. I developed confidence in the work I produced and wasn't willing anymore to do them for free. I also realized that I was often asked to do a lot of things because I was reliable, worked well in teams, was amazingly detailed in my planning, (laughs) and also had some visionary and leadership skills. But that didn't mean that I was the only one who could do things. And by saying yes and becoming overloaded with projects, I wasn't sticking to my boundaries. I was teaching others how to treat me, and I was teaching them to rely on me. I have to admit that in some ways, it felt good to know that I was needed, that I made such a difference that I was the only one who could do something. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm humble enough to, to, uh, to admit that. And I'm also humble enough to admit that it felt good when people liked me because I was reliable. But over the years, I've come to realize that when I attach my likability, my likability to my reliability, I set myself up to believe that if I wasn't reliable, then I wouldn't be likable. Yikes, right? If I wasn't reliable, then I wouldn't be likable. That's a lot. And it's also very problematic. Because I'm not going to be able to do things for people all the time. I used to say yes to a lot of unpaid work. Whether it was for friends or acquaintances, or people who I just liked and respected. 
I remember once being asked out of the blue to translate some text for a professor and a student doing a research project with the Hmong community. As a member of the Hmong community, I really wanted to say yes because one, I believe it's important for them to have information written in their language. And two, well, if I don't do it, then who will? (laughs) But I was so busy with my actual job that I had no time. So instead of outright saying no, I said, I'd love to help. My fee for translation is $50 per hour. Their response was, we have a small budget, so we'll get back to you. They never got back to me, but this experience taught me a really good lesson. It taught me how to say no without saying the word no. And that wasn't the last time I was asked to translate something, but I got really good at asking questions and making sure that something is aligned with my values before I even do any kind of translation. So doing translation along with a number of other things people ask me to do, whether for free or not, were actually really hard to say no to because a weird part of me is always honored to be asked in the first place. I think this goes back to the idea of saying yes so that people will like me. So in order to learn to say no, I had to first let go of the need to be liked. And to do that, I had to like myself enough so that when the threat of other people not liking me came around, I just didn't care as much. In the end, when people learned that I wasn't going to give my time for free, they went somewhere else. And you know what? Those people still talk to me. I'm still a valuable member of all my teams. I simply taught them what my boundaries were, how I valued my skills, and how they should value me. And I also taught them what I needed if they wanted me to do work for them. Do I still say yes? (laughs) Of course I say yes all the time. (laughs) But I have a very methodical way of doing it that I'll share at the end of this episode. As a grad student, I've witnessed some of my classmates saying yes to almost everything that comes their way while they're treading water, barely keeping their face above the surface so they could breathe. That doesn't sound fun to me. So my question is, why would a grad student put themselves into such a situation? Well, I could think of at least five reasons why it's hard to say no to stuff in grad school. Reason number one, FOMO, fear of missing out. Have you ever felt this? My assumption is that everyone has felt this at some point. Some of us probably feel this more than others. It's easy to feel like you're missing out on something that everyone is doing. Perhaps it looks like everyone is super experienced or everyone is going to that happy hour or everyone is finishing their PhD in five years. And if you don't say yes, you'll miss out. FOMO drives a lot of people to say yes to things they would have otherwise said no to, in my opinion. 
it almost drove me to say yes to a (laughs) head editorial position on a student-led journal this semester. Fortunately, I had enough reflective skills to conclude that it wasn't a good match at this time in my grad school career. Reason number two, needing experience. This is a tough one because sometimes you really do need experience. As a grad student, even as a young professional, as a new teacher or doctor or engineer, you name the position, you know, you you may not have as much experience as someone who has been doing the work for a while. So to gain experience, you kind of say yes to a lot of things. The only problem, in my opinion, is that sometimes you start training yourself to think you'll always benefit from, quote unquote, the experience of doing something. When the truth is, you don't need that experience. So an example in a PhD program would be being a graduate student instructor or a GSI. GSIs often work in classes that have multiple sections, so the teacher will lecture in the main class while GSIs lead the discussions in the sections. Doing a couple of years of this will give you great experience, but doing four years of this might be a bit much if you're still doing it, quote-unquote, for the experience. (laughs) Doing it for the money so you can go to school is a whole nother thing. If you don't need the money, I feel like by the fourth year that you are GSIing, you might as well be the instructor for that class instead of the graduate student instructor, because you probably know that class inside and out. And I'm not saying this at all to say that um, being a GSI is a bad thing. What I'm saying is that you can gain the experience in the classroom without overdoing it. Reason number three, being a first-generation college student. If you are a first-gen student, you often deal with imposter syndrome or this fear that you don't really belong in a program or on a college campus. Because of this sometimes debilitating belief, You may say yes to a bunch of things in order to get more experience, to not miss out, and to, as I mentioned earlier, be reliable and therefore be liked. You say yes to prove that you do deserve your place on campus or in that program. Imposter syndrome is very real, and it's so easy to set yourself up to feel like you need to continually prove yourself. I have a a little story to share. I saw an Instagram post some time ago that said something like, is it imposter syndrome or is it systemic oppression or something like that? And wow, that that really got me thinking, that feeling of not belonging. It's actually the correct response to a system that was never made for you in the first place. So saying yes, trying to feel like you do belong, is a survival mechanism. It's instinctual on many levels, I think. Learning how to recognize that automatic but not incorrect response and then doing something about it and doing something to disrupt the system that made you feel imposter syndrome in the first place is the goal here. And saying no can really be a way to do that. 
Reason number four. Being part of a community that has been marginalized and minoritized by imperialism, colonialism, systemic racism, or all of the above, and more. I've mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier in this episode that I've often said yes to things because I'm the only Hmong person and I feel like I have to do it for my community. I've also often said yes because I wanted to prove that someone like me from a marginalized community could be just as good as someone from a privileged background. I wanted to show them that I could do the exact same things they could do. That the color of my skin, the amount of money my parents made, the apartment I lived in, the food vouchers that I used, the oversized t-shirts that I wore, the food that I loved, the history that I am a part of are just as good as theirs. Maybe even more so. (laughs) Over the years, though, what I learned was that I didn't need to prove anything to them. What I needed to do was become confident in the things that made me me for myself and to say yes to the things that aligned with my values and those who saw how valuable I am will see it and those who don't will never see it. Reason number five, feeling not good enough. I've talked about comparisons a few times or comparison a few times on this podcast and how that could really get you to feel like you're not good enough. I felt shots of not good enoughness from the first email between my classmates and I to being in class with them over a year later. I remember the very first email between another classmate and I where she mentioned several vocabulary words that I didn't know. And my immediate reaction was to go on Amazon and buy a bunch of books so that I could be more well-read when I got to Berkeley. Here's a little secret, though. I didn't read any of those books. They're still sitting on my bookshelf. Just last week in class, I said a bunch of stuff that didn't make any sense, even to my own ears. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for several days. I thought about how inarticulate I was and how other students must be wondering how I'm even in the program. (laughs) See how this could spiral. (laughs) Now, as someone in their mid-30s, I have the skills to move beyond those shots of not good enoughness. But I can imagine not feeling enough and saying yes to everything that came my way just so that I could bring myself up to par with everyone else. So why should you say no? Well, because there are only 24 hours in a day, eight hours if you count just working hours. Sometimes those hours can be stretched to 10 if needed, but never the full 24. And saying no allows you to use some of those hours to recharge so that you can give 100% to everything else you already said yes to. And you really don't want to burn out. And because everything may seem important, but not everything is important right now. If you have a fellowship, you don't need three jobs. 
for example. <laughs> if you want to be a professor, you do need teaching experience, but maybe right now, while you are taking a full load of classes, is maybe not the right time. Saying no will teach you to prioritize. Because it's also because it's your job to teach other people your boundaries. I'm talking about the invisible boundaries that you build in order to keep people from taking advantage of you and in order for you to keep yourself from doing too much. Saying no teaches others to think more seriously about when they're asking you to do something. It teaches you to think a little deeper also when you should say yes. Also, you should say no because it's your job to teach other people the value of your time and work. It would be so nice if people just value us the way we deserve to be valued, but unfortunately, that's not how the world works. By saying no and saying yes when we really mean it, when the ask really aligns with who we are and what we value, we're teaching others how to treat us. So, how do you say no? If you go to Google and just type in how to say no, you'll get almost 19 billion results. Instead of going through all of those 19 billion results, um, I'm going to share with you some tips from my personal experience. So here are six tips. Tip number one, don't respond right away. Give yourself a little time to think about it. If you give yourself time, you can measure this against your values. You can see if you have enough time. You can take a look at your calendar. You can uh, maybe even think about this with another person who you trust. All of those things. Tip number two, look at the project or opportunity closely. Have the people who are asking you to do this thought about it thoroughly? If not, then... Why would you say yes? Are you sure you want to be a part of this if you already can kind of see some of the holes in their project? Tip number three, ask yourself if you have time. If you really have time, not if you move this or that around, but like, do you actually really have the time to give your all to this project or opportunity? Number four, ask yourself if this is something you absolutely need to do right now or if it's something that you can do later. And don't muddle this question with too many other thoughts because we can totally convince ourselves that we need to do it now. <laughs> um, and we can also convince ourselves with um, hypothetical thoughts, um, thoughts of possibilities and such. So don't, like, don't muddle the decision with, with all of those hypothetical thoughts or future thoughts. Um, just ask yourself this very simple question. Do you absolutely need to do this now? Tip number five. Ask yourself how this aligns with your values. As I mentioned earlier in tip number one, do you believe in the work that is being done in this project or opportunity? It's as simple as that. Number six, ask yourself how this aligns with your goals. Will it be a direct stepping stone to accomplishing a goal? Can you map it? 
Like when you put it on a map, can you see how this leads to other things that you need to do in order to accomplish your goals? Or will it just kind of throw you in the right direction? And if that's only what it's doing, is that enough? Once you've asked yourself these questions, here are some ways to say no. Thank you for thinking of me, but unfortunately, I really can't take on another thing. I'm so honored that you thought of me, but I have to say no. I love to help, but my schedule is full until fill in the blank. This sounds like a great opportunity. Let me think about it and get back to you. So the formula here is appreciate plus full no or maybe, (laughs) depending on the situation. Sometimes a maybe will allow you to think about it some more or allow people to ask you at a later time when your schedule is more open. I think these are also really great responses to yourself if you're asking if whether or not to apply to a grant or program or position. For example, this sounds like a really great opportunity, but I already have a full course load and a job. Maybe something like it will come around again in a year. Or I'd love to help them, but I need some clarification about the date and time and their goals. After saying no a few times, I feel like I've personally developed a more reflective and confident way of doing it. I can now say no without feeling like I'm risking being liked or missing out, or just without feeling bad. So if I were to do that activity again where I have to say something great about myself, I might say something like, I'm getting really good at saying no. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast listening platform of your choice to be notified when new episodes are up. If you would like to support this podcast, a rating and review would go a long way. Podcasts with ratings and reviews are more likely to be found by listeners. So I would very much appreciate it if you can take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast. If you would like to make a donation to help me run this podcast, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. That's ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. Every dollar helps. Follow me on Instagram at bypavu and the podcast at onbecomingeducated. Lastly, to access transcripts and submit listener questions, go to www.onbecomingeducated.com.